Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 41. We're going to start reading in verse 41. We've been going through talking about the life of Joseph and uh, Joseph no longer now is a teenager. Uh, when we come to chapter 41, he's going to be recognized by Pharaoh as a man in Pharaoh's eyes who knew God, which I think was quite an amazing thought. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream and his confidence of the king was placed upon him, uh, placed upon Joseph. And we're going to see here that he's going to be exalted to the position next to Pharaoh. And I want to talk tonight about uh, something I think that many of us in here probably have gone through is the blessings of God during days of affliction. The blessings of God during the days of affliction. So look at verse 41. We're going to read a number of verses there this evening to get the whole story in. So uh, bear with me if you would. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put gold, uh, gold chain about his neck. Can you imagine the scene here of this Hebrew boy being dressed up as next to Pharaoh in charge of Egypt? I mean, it's just an amazing thought here. Verse 43, and he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried before him, bowed the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph had not anything yet but interpret his dream. He hadn't, he hadn't done anything yet except for tell Pharaoh what was happening. And yet Pharaoh has his confidence in him. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name. And I'm probably going to slaughter this, but I'm going to try it here. Japhnath-Pianiah, and he gave him a wife, Aseneth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, or On, and Joseph went out all over the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he went before, uh, before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls, and he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities, the food in the, on the field, which was round about every city laid he in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering for it was without number. I mean, we're talking so, so much uh, corn here that they were, they were uh, taking and harvesting. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Aseneth the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bear unto him. And this is the thought for this evening. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. And here's his definition. For God said, he hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the second, in the name of the second, he called Ephraim. And here's the meaning of Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. You can go ahead and be seated there this evening. Thank you so much for standing there for a little while, and I appreciate it. <clears throat> we see here in verse 51 
the word forget in verse 52. You can have a seat. In verse uh, 52, the word fruitful. Joseph has been given a very special position of great authority over all the land now. Second to Pharaoh, to be honest about it, Pharaoh just said, here, it's all yours. Uh, Whatever you think we need to do, you can do it. And all this young man did was interpret a dream. He hadn't really done anything, if you would, to speak, speak of yet. God revealed to him that there's going to be seven years of plenty. We know the story. There'll be seven years where there'll be plentiful crops. In fact, as we read there in the scripture, so many crops, they quit numbering it, quit counting it because there was so much to even keep track of, if you can imagine. And then, of course, after the seven fruitful years, there was going to be seven years of famine when there would be nothing. And the Bible reveals to us that this famine was not only in Egypt, but in all the world, all the known parts of the world at that time as well. And Egypt literally became, if you would, can imagine, the breadbasket for the world. Isn't it amazing how God uses sometimes the world to spare the world? I mean, there's not one godly thing about Egypt except for Joseph. You with me? As of right now, I mean, Jacob's not there yet. There's not one godly thing in Egypt other than Joseph. And God's preparing this nation here to not only spare Egypt, but the whole known world at that time. And they came in the midst of this also famine to Egypt and received from Joseph the food that they needed to live. And I just can you imagine? I mean, just imagine seven, the seven years were so plenteous that they were able to supply the world with food for the next seven years. Isn't that an amazing thought? That's a lot of food. That's a, those who were willing to travel to Egypt to buy it. And then, of course, we know the story goes how they were trading, uh, trading all kinds of things at the end of the day, trading their land in, trading their cattle in for, for uh, food and all kinds of things toward the end. We'll talk about that later down the road next time, maybe. And uh, what's happening here and how much they must have gathered to spare the world. And before Joseph ever came to this place of distinction, there were some things that happened in his life that, that we need to think about this evening. Years had passed uh, uh, since his brothers sold him. He'd been a slave. He'd been falsely accused. He'd been sent to prison. Uh, As anybody in Scripture that didn't deserve anything that happened to him, it was Joseph. And after his years of prison, he came out and he finally was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And all of a sudden, I mean, you talk about a fairy book story to go from prison to the second in charge. And he could put people in prison. I wonder if he went and found that butler and said, hey, it's your turn to go back in there for a while. You forgot about me for two years. You're going back. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's got to be somewhere along the line he has to be able to get a little bit uh, of uh, uh, revenge on somebody, doesn't he? And I'm just teasing about that. But, but anyhow, but imagine that position that he got exalted to. And then he took his wife. And they had two children. And then God blessing them with these two children, Joseph names them something that that means something special to him in his life. As we mentioned, he called Manasseh his firstborn. And basically, Manasseh was the son that said, I forgot all my toil of my past. Just now 30 years old, he's not really that old. Then when he had Ephraim, 
He said, Ephraim, I'm going to call him Ephraim, then I'll be remembered how God's been, God has blessed my life and how fruitful my life is now. I went from this to this. And so every time he would even mention his name Ephraim, he would know, know uh, uh, how God's been good to him. And we see uh, the names of, this, of these sons tell a story of what uh, was going on in his life. You know, much of our lives are spent in disappointment. But if we could only see that the affliction that we go through, and, and then we fail to see, because of the affliction, we fail to see the blessings of God. And I don't want to get too, too practical at this point yet here. I'm going to get hit something a little later on here. But you know, do you realize that you're going through affliction? What is your mindset on? What is your heart thinking about? Are you still thinking about how good God's been to you or just when you get up in the morning, you can get up and move? But you know, in the midst of your affliction, God's still been good to you. In the middle of what you're going through, God's been good to you. And, uh, uh, and we've all been there different, for different snares. We all could stand tonight and give a testimony about something that happened that to us it was an affliction. To us it was something that we thought was just uh, we shouldn't have to go through in our lives. And it was a tragedy, if you would, in our lives. And we think about that and we want to go there so I can only uh, think about myself. But just a, a number of years ago, uh, 2017, I had, had a, a surgery. And uh, in the pre-op room waiting to go in, to surgery, my heart stopped. I hadn't gone in surgery yet. And I'm laying there waiting to go in, and my heart stopped. The next thing, and I told my Andrew, Andrew was there beside me, and, and uh, our two boys were there. And uh, I told Andrew, I said, I think, like, I think like I'm going to pass out. You know how you feel? But I'm laying on my back in the pre-surgery room. It's not supposed to be happening to you, Right? And I, and, I, and I went out, and my heart quit for, I don't know how, two minutes, something, and went out. And I woke up, there's a doctor on my chest pushing on me, and I'm thinking, like, what's this guy doing on my chest, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, in the day, that day was, it was a terrible day. Surgery was, went twice as long as it was supposed to be, and all kinds of things happened. That. But you know what? In the midst of all that, I didn't lose any sleep over it necessarily because I know, I know God's in charge. And now my wife now, the look on her face was, whew, she's scared to death. You can talk to her. She's, she, and our, my, one of our boys, he really got shook up over this. But me, is like, hey, it is what it is. What happens, happens, right? Uh, we got to trust the Lord in the days of our affliction because God's still been good to us. The fact I'm in the room with a wife and two of our children was a blessing. Could have been by myself going through that situation. Are you with me? And you, you have similar circumstances. There are things I can talk about, Stephen, but I'm not going to get there. But, but uh, much of our lives are spent disappointment and affliction, and we forget to see the blessings of God. And I, and I think of this often. I'm so grateful that God allowed me to be born in America. With all the things we have going on, Aren't you glad you don't live in some third world country? Aren't you glad you can still go to the store and buy you some groceries? You got a car to get to church tonight. You got a place to go home to and put your head on the pillow without worrying about someone coming and taking it. You got a gun by your pillow in case someone sneaks in your house. 
Amen? <laughs> and uh, I can tell you that story. I'll tell you that story another day. That's another day. That uh, Boy, I, and yeah, I got, I got the story, but I'm not going to tell it tonight. I don't have time for that. But, but much of our lives, we're dealing with troubles, and instead of realizing and focusing on the troubles, we should be recognizing the blessings that we have and the blessings that we got in our life. And God gives blessings in the day of affliction. Even though Joseph here was in a strange land, we see God has now elevated him up to this position. God has now put him in this place where he's at. He's second in, in charge. His father's name was Jacob and how he loved him. And uh, he was rejected by his brother, and he was sold for silver. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and we see all these things that Jacob went through and how he was rejected and sold for this and, and whatever. And very similar. Uh, uh, and also received a Gentile bride. And very similar to Jesus Christ. He came into his own. His brethren rejected him. He was despised and rejected. And uh, when his bride, his Jewish bride, rejected him, he turned to the Gentiles. And I don't mean bride literally married now, don't get me wrong. But he was rejected. He turned to the Gentile bride, which we are now, right? So we see these similarities. He was sold for silver. We see the similarities between Joseph and Jesus Christ here. And, uh, and someday, Jesus Christ will reveal himself to his brethren, the Jews. Just as Joseph revealed himself to his brethren, Joseph here's in a place of affliction, strange place. I'm not, I don't know if he would never truly call it home because after he lived his life, they asked him to, he said, when you all leave here, you take my bones with you. Right? Moses left and he carried the bones of Joseph out with him. It, so I'm not sure he actually said, this is where I'm going to put my deep stake down, but this is where I'm at for hours where God's led me to be at. And uh, uh, even though uh, it may not have been his home. Now, listen. If we're going to live victoriously, we must, by faith, see God in the midst of our situations. If we're going to live victoriously, we must, by faith, see God in whatever situations may be that we're in. And we all have different ones, but we all have situations. We all got them. We must recognize that in the midst of the clouds, the sun's still shining. And I think it's so wonderful that God revealed to, to uh, us this lesson that Joseph had here with his sons. And God is teaching us something here about this, that he said, listen, one of these are going to represent the fact that I'm going to forget what's happened to me. I'm going to forget uh, the past. We'll talk about that in a second here. And the other one represents the fact that I've been fruitful in my life, and God is now bearing fruit in my life. One represents what was gone, and the other one represents what was given. So look at some notes here this evening for the thought here this evening. Number one is this, of course, obviously, uh, talking about Manasseh. Number one should be our forgetting, our forgetting. Joseph did not forget his father or that his brothers existed, but it does say there that he forgot all my toil and all my father's house. I don't believe he disowned his family, but I do believe he disowned the fact of what happened to him in his family. He was trying to forget what was going on there. And I know, I know most of you are like me. You're an elephant. You don't forget anything. You with me? 
Isn't it amazing how you can, for years and years, forget about something, all of a sudden it pops in your brain. Now, oh, I knew I would never forget that. You, you with me? I'm not one to preach you how to forgive and forget. They don't believe we can, we can forget. But I do believe we can live a life of forgetfulness where we choose to forget what's happened to us in the past. It's a choice we have to make. We'll talk about that a little deeper in a second here. I have to choose to forget uh, what may have happened to me. Joseph did not forget about his brother's existence. I don't believe he forgot about the place where he grew up as a boy. Neither did he forget all the fond memories they cherished from a boyhood. As I say, uh, he forgot means that Joseph was able to get over the hurt and get on with his life. He was able to forget. He was able to get over the heartache and get on with living. He was able to go beyond his affliction and live a victorious life, even in the midst of Egypt. And here's the statement here I want to make in this thought here about Joseph. Joseph made up his mind in Egypt, not Canaan. You can find contentment in God's will. He made up his mind, I am going to be content even though I'm in Egypt. And here's where I want to get down to us this evening. You can decide that you will live content right where you're at. I don't believe in over the rainbow. I searched and searched and searched for years to find that pot of gold and never found it. Well, how'd you do that? Well, when I was a teenager, we grew up uh, uh, out in the back of our yard. There was a, a private golf course out there. And we'd get those rains that would come over. And uh, the golf course was, of course, wide open. And uh, there'd be a rainbow out there in the evening. And we'd go out there trying to find the dump, the dumb men in that rainbow and never found one. Every time you got the one place you thought it was at, it was somewhere else, right? So I quit chasing the rainbows, Dorothy. And I decided I'm just going to be happy in Kansas, wherever God's put me even though it may be the most miserable place in the world, maybe. I'm going to try to uh, uh, get beyond my affliction, and I want to live. Listen, the only person that I hurt in not forgiving is, or not forgetting, is me. And our biggest issue is not everybody else. Our biggest issue is us. It's not what someone else may have done and not done to you. I just believe there are some people in the world who just ain't got no common sense. Are you with me? My, my mom would say, they don't have the sense God gave a grape. They just don't have sense. And so with that, with that thought in mind, they're not going to make any rational decisions. They're not going to interact with you rationally. By anything. They're not going to do anything like that with you because they just don't have the sense to do that. I don't mean that they're hateful, mean, wicked people either. They just don't have. Have you driven on the highway lately? There are people who just ain't got no sense when they drive. You know what I mean? And, and, but you bring that down to life. We just don't have the sense sometimes. And realize that's just the way it is. And I always wonder, we always say they, but does that really mean me? Because we're always quick to blame they, but I want to know who they are. And I'm pretty sure I make up the part of the they. 
And, uh, but, but realize this, that, that I need to make up my mind that no matter where God has put me at, I can live a victorious Christian life right where I'm at if I choose to. By forgetting whatever situation may have been that got me to where I'm at. And I, knew, I do know this, I'll never get to where I want to be if I don't forget. I'll never get there. I, I will hold myself back from getting where God wants me to be because I'm unwilling to forget. And the matter of speaking was, I'm not going to let it hold me back anymore. Do you realize that the Bible says, I'm sure you know this, for all have sinned. That means there's not one perfect person in the world, and that includes you, includes me. So, so if God was willing to send Christ to die for the whole world because they're going to sin, then I, mean, I must realize in my little world that I live in, there will be people who may sin against me, that I'm just going to have to let it go. I know you think I'm oxymoron. Sunday night I said, get a grip. Tonight I'm telling you, let it go. Amen. <laughs> but but we got to learn sometimes to let, things, let some things slide and, and realize that Joseph made up his mind that he, he was not going to uh, let this get him and pull him down. Listen, it, it, listen there are things that, that can draw us down. It's usually it's somebody else's actions or someone else's uh, uh, place in life maybe. And we got, we got to get over that. Has it ever dawned on you that there is not one person, one perfect person on the place of this earth anywhere? And we're not perfect. And, not, and we should not live thinking that as we socialize and as we work and as we, whatever, even our church world here that we have together, that we're going to find people who are perfect and never do anything against us. We've got to learn to get over that. And move on. A couple decides that they want to get married. They think they found the perfect mate. They're looking to be happily ever after. You know what I mean? I'm going to be honest with you. I guess I was pretty naive when we got married. I never thought about things. I guess you think about maybe it was better off that way. You don't think about those things, whatever. But not until you live with someone do you know what they're like. And if Andrew would have known how bad I was, she never would have married me. But you've got to figure out how it works. I didn't marry a perfect person. But my love for her outweighs her unperfectness that doesn't matter. Right? And that's where we need to get in life, where we live that way. But it's funny, you know, uh, couples, you know, couples get married. Of course, nowadays, they seem to wait a little longer in life and try to be a little more mature, or it seems to be that way. And I don't know if that's good or bad or whatever. But, uh, uh, but, uh, but I mean, I, we got married my 20th birthday. She just turned 18, and we're still, we're still stuck together. We weren't married three, three weeks, and we both got the flu. Living in a studio apartment with real thin walls as we were all taking turns in the bathroom. Right? You learn real quick, this is the way it is, brother. Now, it's not Job, but it's awful close. And uh, that's just the way it is. There's, not, there's no perfect scenario. Too many of us live in the past, and we won't 
forgive and, and move on and forget to the point that we just keep on in life. It's not, it's not what has happened to them uh, that hurts the most. It's their unwillingness to get over what has happened to them. Because I guarantee you, at some point in time in life, all of us are going to be treated unfairly, at least in our mind. And you've got to learn to get over that. You've got to learn to go, go on with that. In the, see, we're like the, the, the servants that agreed to go work in the field for a penny, right? For a day. And everyone that came along, whether they came at noon or 1 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they came and got the same agreement. They all got the same money. And the people came in the morning, and they were mad because they worked longer. My problem is you weren't smarter. I'm trying to be funny here. They weren't as smart as the people who went later in the day. You should have went later in the day got the same penny. But you agreed to do it for a penny, so what was unfair? Nothing. But it seemed unfair because you, God help us, you labored a few hours longer than somebody else did. And sometimes we feel unfair. We feel we've been mistreated. Uh, they'll not get over things and, and get on with life. Because of this, they cannot have God's blessing and all, and, and all they have is seem is trouble. And uh, they can't see the goodness of God in their day of affliction. And I'm not going to get into the story this evening, but I feel like I, I've, I've worked for uh, three different pastors over my years in the ministry. And uh, I worked for one pastor that, man, he was ruthless. His expectations over people. And uh, back, of course, back in the day, uh, cell phones were just getting to be kind of normal. We all had pagers. And when he paid you, you better call or else. And I made a mistake one day of leaving my pager at home when I was out riding a bike with my, with my three kids. And I didn't call him right away, and he keep, drove up to my place to find out what was going on. And I said, this is not the way. This is not the way. It's, this is not going to work out this way. <laughs> Uh, you don't own me. If anybody owns me, my wife owns me, but you sure don't own me. And we had, we had some issues and we worked it out. But I felt like, yeah, it's kind of unfair how to treat people that way. Uh, and anyhow, and there's so many things I could tell you about different things that happened. And I'm not, I'm not here. I got over it. I'm trying to. I'm still 30 years later trying to get over it. No, I'm over it. I'm over it. And uh, I let it go. And I realized and I could chalk all these things up to a learning experience. But Paul says this, that I may know him in the power of resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable, what? Unto his death. If by any means I might, ha uh, I might unto his resurrection, of the, uh, by any means may attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I've already attained, either already perfect, but I follow after that, that if that I may apprehend for that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, Right? But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the prize. And Paul said, and Paul teaches us, we got to get over and forget what may have happened to us. Because there are some things where we realize down the road, you know what, that's such a small little thing. I can't believe I got, I'll let that get to me. Down the road, you've been there? I can't believe I let that bother me. And uh, did Paul mean that he forgot everything about he'd been involved with? Did, did he forget about being there at the stoning of Stephen? Did he forget about uh, persecuting the Christians? 
Did he forget about chasing them down and running them into prison or you maybe have them put to death? No, he didn't forget those things, but he wasn't going to allow that to hold him back from going after the prize of, of the calling of Christ. Did he mean he had forgotten about uh, uh, him being left for dead, being stoned in Lystra? What did he mean? He simply meant that he had been able, by the grace of God, to get to the place of life where he could get past his past and get on with life. He could leave the past. And I know you're sitting here tonight on Wednesday night and you got this all figured out, but I'm going to tell you after the many years in the ministry dealing with people, there are many believers like you who are sitting at home tonight can't get over their past. Somewhere. Not necessarily our church, but somewhere, somewhere they belong. They can't get over their past for some reason. And they, uh, and they blame whoever they may blame. They blame somebody at church and Blame, blame the pastor, blame, blame whatever it may be. And uh, uh, there's something they can't get over. And the problem is the only person they're hurting is themselves. I wonder how many people would say, my big issue in life is that I keep living in the past. It, I keep bringing up the past of those I love. And, and I just have the hardest time getting over it and getting all of my life. And you're correct. You are because if you keep dwelling on it. You're going to have a hard time getting over it. And you're miserable and you're making others miserable, uh, you know, and those that you love because you just won't get over it by forgetting. Can you imagine where Joseph would have been at if he just said, you know what? I'm just so mad at my brothers. I could kill everybody. I'm so mad at that chief butler and uh, the baker. I'll let him have it. I'm so bad. I'm so mad at Mrs. Potiphar. Man, let me have her. Oh, can you imagine how she felt now that he's now second in control and now Joseph's out? And she falsely accused him. And he's over her husband now. Think she may have been shaking her stories and her shaking back at home, worrying about what's going to happen? You ever think about these things that go on here? Yeah, these are great. Anyhow, and imagine if Joseph had said, you don't understand what I've been through. You're right, we don't. I couldn't imagine going through this. But I know this. None of us have ever lived in a perfect home. None of us have ever been in a situation where everything's going right for us. Joseph said, you know, uh, you know who I am? I'm the grandson of Isaac, the son of Abraham, my dad is Jacob, and I can't believe this is where my life has gone. My brother started all this in my life. I've had it so hard. I've been sold twice. I've been falsely accused, landed in prison. I've tried to live for God and be true, and I'm lied about. I made friends with people, interpreted their dreams, and they forgot about me. But uh, I can, I'm just supposed to forget all that? Not necessarily forget all that, but just get over it. And let's move on. And I'll tell you this. These things that Joseph went through were nothing but building blocks to make him the man he became. And these things, afflictions that you and I go through are building blocks to get us where God wants us to be at. Suppose Joseph had gone on like that and uh, the way he was. He still, to me, I think he'd still be sitting in prison. And they live in the past, and may God help us to kind of get over things that are behind us. We're not living in a perfect world. I found this out. When you get somebody else involved in your life, there's a mess coming. Because people are just messy. 
You know what I mean? We're just messy. And we, we're just messy. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. We're not perfect. God help us see the blessing. Number two is this. Number two is our fruitfulness. Our fruitfulness. Manasseh, he said, for God said, he hath made me forget my toll, yes, uh, in my father's house, but then he's made me blessings. Uh, he's made me, I'm sorry, Ephraim, made me fruitful uh, in this land, uh, uh, our fruitfulness. Joseph, in naming his sons as he did, shows us not only what he lost, but also what he found. And what he found was a wife. And what he found was two sons. And I'm sure he found grandchildren. I'm sure he found some, some, uh, uh, the family he had lost and left back at Hebron. I'm sure he felt like, boy, I, I finally got them replacing. And many people could live a life of blessing, but never will they, uh, never will they uh, choose to go over the past. They don't, they don't get there. They don't go on with their lives. And listen, this is, the, this is a pretty, uh, pretty frank statement. There is a time to stop crying and start living again. This is accomplished by God's grace. There comes a time when we got to stop crying about everything and we start living. We start moving on with life. Ephraim was his name. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Joseph said, God's been good to me. In spite of all that's gone wrong, I've seen God's blessing. Joseph made up his mind in Egypt. Not in Canaan, that I'm going to find contentment in God's will no matter where I may be at. Listen, you may be in the wrong place. It does not mean you can't be serving God. You may you not be where you think you ought to be at, and the location is not necessarily the issue uh, in our lives. Sometimes we think it is, but God had Joseph there for a purpose. God allowed all this to happen. Joseph declared that by God's grace, he was going to seek God's blessing in the land of affliction. And listen, whatever we may have gone through in our lives, whatever we may uh, are going through or have gone through, listen, are you willing to see what God's blessing is in the middle of all this? We find peace of God uh, as, only as we sur uh, surrender ourselves to whatever God's will. This must be God's will, so I'm willing to accept whatever it may be. Forget those things in the past that hold me back. I'm going to look forward to the future and whatever affliction I'm going through right now. I'm going to realize this God sent it to me. There must be something here for me to learn, and I'll tell you this, a key of life, a key to life, if you will take these experiences that you go through and you tell yourself, there's something in this for me to learn, to glean from, it'll change the way you approach these days in your life. There's something here for me. It's not always a matter of a, blessing monetarily. It's not always a matter of some belonging, if you would, that you may have. It's a matter of what can I learn through this. Uh, I find peace when I surrender myself to God's will. God put me here. You know what? There must be something there about that, and, and I'm going to surrender myself to it because there's something here that I can learn. And I've decided years ago, I'm never too old to learn something new. And I want to keep learning. I want to keep God's blessings. I don't want to turn the dark days into darker days. I want to turn the dark days into lighter days. None of us know how long we have on earth, how quickly our days, our months, and years could be finished. 
And as we yield ourselves to the Lord, we can make the most of our lives that we have left. And after all, Joseph had lost, uh, lost uh, uh, Joseph felt like he lost God and his family and all that he had. When Joseph was, was taken in the land, out of the land of his birth and his father and his family, and, he, and then he realizes, now I have a wife and I have sons and I have a family that God gave me. I think his thought was this. The prime of life is any time in life when we are in the center of God's will. And the center of God's will, I know much is said about this and much is said about it, probably shouldn't be said about it, but the center of God's will is, as I think Pastor mentioned on Sunday, is just being saved and serving God. Wherever I'm at. Wherever I'm at. Wherever location may be. And uh, when Joseph was taken down to Egypt, he had no position. He had, not been, he had been the favorite of his brothers. But look uh, what God did for him in a strange land. God made him second to Pharaoh. You will be as me. You can't have my chariot. You can't have my wife. You can't have my throne. But everything else is yours. Can you imagine? Just imagine, because he's willing to let the afflictions turn into something positive. Joseph thought God had given him so much, and they named his son Ephraim because he blessed him. Then the third point is this, and lastly, you know, our Lord is so faithful. He's so faithful. Our God is not confined to some geographical location. He couldn't just bless Joseph in Hebron. He blessed him in Egypt, that God-forsaken country, right? Sure, he's trying to do right. God was real to Joseph, and, and uh, when he was down, uh, down from his father, God was just as real uh, uh, as he was in Potiphar's house as he was when he was back home with his dad. He was just as real to him in the prison cell as he was back home with his dad. He's just as real, I'm sure, in, in the palace with, uh, uh, with Pharaoh as he was back at home as that, while he was trying to strive and keep God where he needed to be at because God is faithful. If you want to see God's, the blessings of God in the days of your affliction, you can. You can't see God's faithfulness. The fact that you still have breath, God's been faithful. God did create a perfect world. And God did create two perfect people. But when that sin came, we lost our perfection. We lost the opportunity. We still live in a sin-cursed world. And we are still sinful people. But since the dawning of creation, the Garden of Eden, our Lord has looked upon mankind and he said this. I'm finishing up this evening, but listen to these last couple statements here. I hope that they help you. I know you're hurting. I know in these days and places of affliction, there are things that go wrong. But I will be faithful to you. And I will kiss it where it hurts and help you through. Because God's faithful. If we're going to live victoriously, we must by faith see the Lord in the midst of our situations. And God says, 
I know it hurts. I know there will be days of affliction. And Lord knows that things, things are, things are going to go wrong. But I promise you, how about this? I will kiss your boo-boo. And I'll make it better. And I'll be faithful to you. And you'll get through it. It'll be all right. Thank you, Lord, so much for the word of God this evening. Thank you for the blessings of God in the midst of our afflictions. I know this may seem more like a sermon than a Bible study, but to me it's a very important Bible study of the life of Joseph, how in the midst of turmoil and uprooting and the the sinfulness of those around us, you picked up this one little Hebrew boy and you raised him up to save not only a nation, but to save a world. And we thank you for that. We thank you for his life. He didn't take it and become bitter. He didn't take it and become uh, angry at what happened to him. He realized that in the days of his affliction, something positive could happen. And we thank you for his example and testimony for all of us. Bless the rest of our days. Bless this week. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.